0: And welcome to another edition of Killinoi with Bird and Cam. This is Bird, as always with me, Cam. Cam, how we doing, my love?
1: Good. Um, got a new bed spread, so living the dream.
0: Mm-hmm. Adults uh, like a motherfucker, I see.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm chilling so Sophie right now. I'm clearly wanting to uh join the podcast, so.
0: Oh shit. By all means, by all means, she's our she's our unofficial official mascot, so I gotta, I gotta see my niece. <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, again, guys, thank you so much for joining us, whether it's SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is episode 36. Holy fuck, we've done 36 episodes. And with the one-year anniversary podcast coming on next week, which we'll get to near the end. But um, today's episode, we're going to be going road tripping again, this time to Cheesehead Infested Cesspool of Wisconsin. And we're going to be covering something that grabbed national headlines for the last several months, going back to last October. And that is the story of Jamie Closs, who was abducted and held hostage by Jake Patterson after he murdered her parents. And when I first saw this on the news, I mean, it's an all-around sad story. It goes without saying, especially when you consider the old adage that the odds of solving a case decrease by 50% when a solid lead isn't found within the first 48 hours after that person's gone missing. But fortunately and miraculously, Jamie escaped, and Patterson would be apprehended and face justice for his crimes. Now, without getting to the full meat and potatoes of the whole story, we'll get in that later, it really evoked memories of Elizabeth Smart, for me who, like Jamie, was abducted and, fortunately, uh, eventually escaped?
1: And usually our research derives from various sources, so newspaper clippings, documentary books, court documents, and different records of that nature. And this will be the case for this episode, as always. But we are switching it up a little bit because we do have a guest,
0: a seasoned
1: investigative reporter, I would say at that. Who covered the murders of James and Denise Foss and the subsequent kidnapping of their daughter Jamie from the onset until its conclusion?
0: So, so I guess it's my turn to really set up the intro. White Cam said,
1: <laughs> Jump roll. Oh
0: boy. Uh, like Cam said, she is an investigative reporter who currently writes for the Green Bay Press Gazette. She's a former reporter of the Wazoo Herald and Chicago Tribune. She's one of my former classmates in grad school, alongside friend of the program, Deb. Hi, Deb, whenever you listen to this. She's a purveyor of she's a purveyor of craft beer, a proud cat mom, a uber lover of all things Dr. Who, Funko Pop, and sadly, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, good friend of mine. We are glad to have you on board for this, Haley. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember, like, when I was watching this as it was unfolding, I, like, I reached out to you. I was like, you know, I got we have to do this story. And, like, whenever you're free, like, I do want to pick your brain on this. Because, I mean, this was a very, very fascinating saga, to say the least.
1: And I'm super excited because I had a totally different perspective when I first heard about this story. So,
0: oh I'm yeah, excited. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely touch on that as we get along. So, um, that said, Cam, you, you ready to do the damn thing?
1: I'm ready to do the damn thing. Uh, Haley, you ready to do the
0: damn thing?
2: I'm super ready to do
0: the damn thing. <laughs> yes! All right, let's put this motherfucking show on the road.
1: And do the damn thing. <laughs> so, anyways, let's start on the fuckbag who perpetrated all of this. Jake Thomas Patterson. Patterson was born to Patrick and Deborah Patterson on June 17, 1997. And he spent much of his early childhood at West Scott Douglas County, Wisconsin, which, of course, for those keeping track at home, is roughly a six-hour drive to Chicago. So, when Patterson was around eight, the parents either filed divorce or a legal separation. Now, it wasn't actually set in stone why the Petersons chose to take that route, and it wasn't even finalized when it was said and done. Around this time, the family moved from Wascot, uh to a house on about two and a half acres of land in nearby Gordon. But the marriage between Patrick and Deborah continued to wither, and eventually, the couple would file for divorce again, saying an in-hand written petition that the marriage was irretrievable. Irritri- fuck. Yeah. I was saying, I was yeah. like, okay, irretrievable. Retrievably, there
0: we go. Irretrievably broken. You
1: say a (laughs) I know, I don't know why I was like getting all tongue tied. Mm. Um, a judge grants this divorce in 2007, and Patrick and Deborah agree to share physical custody every other weekend with Mr. Patterson.
0: So, so Cam, knowing that your parents went through a, a divorce, and you can chime in as well. Honestly, like, what does divorce do to a child psychologically at a young age? And I mean, that's it's stating the obvious here, but it's such a seismic shift to that to a family, is not not.
1: Well, if you look at it, they divorced in two thousand and seven, and for us at that time, we were in high school. Right. And my parents divorced, uh, like back in elementary school. Mm-hmm. So I think. I mean, obviously, me being the person I am, I was very resentful in high school and such. Right. But my parents kicked ass and were, like, a united force with being best friends. So I think I had a pretty different perspective about it all. Because no matter what I felt, my parents were still as if they were married, but they were, you know. I had four parents, kind of
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you care the comment the uh, guest?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it. um, you know, when you're thinking about divorce, I think it in part depends on sort of the relationship that exists with, you know, within the family and with the parents and the nature of the marriage that's ending. I mean, for me, I was really young when my parents were divorced. Um, so I don't really remember them married, but, you know, certainly it is a, a significant event and any child's life when all of a sudden their parents aren't living together. I mean, how that impacts a person certainly varies, but it's not not a small thing. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. It definitely makes you who you are today because uh it definitely lived in an area where everyone's parents were together and divorce was kind of out of nature and you always you know, you want the fairy tale ending for your kids, so you don't know you know that what the real ending is, you only know fairy tale endings. So it's like you want your parents to stay together, but you know. They're better they're when you find out that they're like half like the happiest they are with who they're with now, it's it's hard to look at it differently, you know?
0: hmm So Patterson would attend a high school in Northwood School in Minong and classmates recall that he was a smart kid who enjoyed reading and had an infrequent sense of humor, but at the same time was socially awkward to the point that he shunned dating and skipped his prime date, class photo, and was even voted most quiet in his class. And he graduated in 2015, part of a class of 33. Now, I have a question for our guest. Did you get a chance to speak with anyone from Patterson's past? And, like, how was? did they echo, echo those same sentiments? We
2: had a hard time getting a hold of folks, um, that knew Patterson, but one of my colleagues was able to get a hold of a couple people. Um, in particular, I remember him talking to, uh, the mother of one of one of Patterson's, uh, high school friends who did sort of echo those same sentiments, you know, quiet, not particularly memorable, frankly, um, just kind of someone who, uh, blended
0: in and never particularly stood out. Hmm. Hmm. So, like, on this senior class yearbook, which with 33 students, that sounds poor. more of like a pamphlet than a yearbook. Uh, <laughs> what is that? 33. 33, what the fuck? Like, Patterson, like
1: 33 per class.
0: The, Patterson had noted his goal to be an infantryman in the Marine Corps.
1: Which is exactly what Patterson eventually does. As he enlisted for the Marines and was shipped to boot camp at Marine Corps Recruit Depot in San Diego. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen Anchorman, but San Diego oh,
0: boy.
1: <laughs> is an origin of whale's vagina.
0: Stay classy, Cam. <laughs>
1: Thank you. But anyways, like a healthy Aaron Rodgers, Patterson only lasted about five weeks there. Because the Marine Corps kicked Patterson out of basic training. Now, in many cases, we see people quit, but it's not often when you're on so much shenanigans that the Marine Corps says, fuck it, and kicks you out like they did. And did they ever really say an official reason? Do you know, Haley?
2: No, not that we were aware. They just confirmed that, you know, he was enlisted and that he, uh, you know, he was kicked out. I think it was after, you know, just five weeks and...
1: Did they um, give him like a dishonorable discharge
2: or? Not that I know of, and the thing about the Marines and really any branch of the military is that they keep things kind of under wraps. That they get official information that's particularly forthcoming.
0: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that 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 comes as no surprise, and like yeah. coming from personal experience, like yeah, yeah, fuck them, but. Goes I'm saying. So we fast forward to October 2018. And at this point, Patterson is still living in the family house of Gordon. He's working at Saputo Cheese near Almeida, but he only quit after only a couple of days on a job. But however, on one such trip to work, he stops behind a school bus and he sees Jamie Cross get on. And he decides right then and there, that is the girl that I want to take. And he eventually made two trips to her house in Barron with the intent to abduct Jamie. But he sees cars in the area and it scares him off. And if you can, Haley, can you give a background on who Jamie Closs was and what her and her family's life was like leading up to all of this?
2: So it was in uh, the Closs family house in Barron. It was Jamie with her parents, uh, Jim and Denise. Um, you know, by all accounts, a close family, from what I know, based on some conversation with neighbors, pretty private, um, you know, kept to themselves, but the family as a whole, particularly, um, you know, particularly her mom's side, but really both sides of the family, I mean, everyone is really close, a lot of people, I mean, they don't all live in Barron, but they Mm -hmm. live, um, many of them live in sort of the northern Wisconsin area, um, you know, just really close family, you know, Denise and Jamie were involved in church and, um, you know, they really, they loved her to death. And, um, you know, people and family members in particular have spoken about the close relationship between Jamie and her mother. Um, so really by all accounts of normal family, um, Jim and Denise have worked at Gineo Turkey Store in Barron for twenty seven years. Wow. Um yeah. Wow. Jim was big into sports when he was in high school, Packers fan. Yeah. Um you know, so <laughs> nothing nothing that would have ever suggested that they could be targets for this kind of thing.
1: So then this leads us up to October fifteenth, which Um, The time is a little after 12.53 a.m., and Patterson is again outside the Klaus residence. And he has it in his mind that he's finally, after all these start and stop pushes, going to go through with this kidnapping. And it would be later revealed via the Washington Post that, to cover up his tracks, he swiped a license plate off another car to install on his Red Ford Taurus. After taking out the car's dome light so it wouldn't turn on when he entered or exited the car, he shut off his headlights and approached the Kloss home, parking near the end of its driveway.
0: And he would later go on and tell investigators, way after he got apprehended, that he believed that James Kloss, Jamie's 56-year-old father, was shining a light outside. So he went to the front door, opening the storm door. James looked through a glass portion of the front door, asking Patterson to show him his badge, Assuming that the man in the front door with a shotgun was law enforcement. However, it was there that Patterson aimed his father's Mossberg pump shotgun at Klaus's head and pulled the trigger. And prosecutors would contend that the shotgun model chosen by Patterson was both for its lethality and commonality for which the gun would be harder to trace, especially during hunting and seizing. And Patterson then fired a gun, uh, fired a round, I should say, into the doorknob and broke into the house, stepping across Klaus's body.
1: So inside the house, he goes near a locked door, shouldering it repeatedly until it opened, revealing to be the bathroom. Patterson sees the bathroom curtain and rips it down to find Jamie and her mother, 46-year-old Denise, in the tub. Denise has her arms wrapped around Jamie. He bound Jamie with duct tape around her wrists and ankles and pulled her from the tub, while shooting Denise as he started turning away. He pulled Jamie to the car, put her in the trunk, locked it, and drove away. Amazingly, it would come out later that he wasn't even more than 20 seconds from the house when squad cars passed him with their emergency lights and sirens on. And this happened after a 911 call, which was made by Denise. And by the time that the police arrived, they found James and Denise both dead from gunshot wounds to their head. So where would you...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. So, so, um, so, so I guess, um, do you remember where you were when you first heard of this incident, like when you were, I'm assuming you first got assigned to the story?
2: Yeah, quite well, actually. Um, I was just at the office. I was back, I was based in Wausau at the time with the Wausau Daily Herald, and um, we had at, the, at this point, we just had an Associated Press story of sort of the initial incident up on our websites, and, you know, readers were very interested in what had happened, mm-hmm. so they decided that we should send one of our reporters up there, and, um, you know, the Green Bay Press Gazette, Wasa, Daily Herald, were part of a, group of newspapers in wisconsin and none of them are particularly close to Barron, but wausau is the closest and i was honestly just free that day and ended up getting um sent to Barron to see what was going on mm-hmm. um but yeah that's what happened
0: so you're at the crime scene right or right around it
2: Yeah, I mean, we went to the house. We obviously were not allowed on the property because it was an active crime scene. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, a photographer and I went by the house when we got up there. Um, You know, investigators were obviously very busy at the scene. There was tape up. Um, The Claus house is a long two-lane highway, and they're just outside of city limits. So, you know, it's not a place you can really camp out or park
0: or anywhere for too long. Um, mm-hmm. wow, wow, that's crazy. So, on October 16th, Barron County Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald hosts the first of many press conferences regarding the investigation, and he reveals that the Claus home was searched by drone and infrared cameras with no signs of Jamie, and investigators would also go to Jamie's school and Barron to interview teachers and classmates for information, and from the jump, the Sheriff's Department would get help from many resources, namely the Wisconsin Division and in Criminal Investigation, the FBI, and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who all parlayed to join the search for Jamie. And furthermore, a nationwide Amber Alert was subsequently issued, and the FBI, for its part, named Jamie to the top of the list of his missing, uh, top 10 missing persons list. So, descriptions and photos of Jamie are given around town, just to be sure no one has seen her, and within a week... A search party, which started originally on October 18th, involved nearly 2,000 volunteers in only a couple of days as they looked in nearby areas emanating around the Kloss home. And back to our guests, you're there in the trenches, day in, day out. Just describe, if you can, the hectic atmosphere that just surrounded that town, especially during those first few weeks of the investigation, as opposed to when you first got, you know, you know, first got assigned to this story?
2: You know, I think one of the first things I noticed being in Barron and talking to people was that everyone was just really shocked. Um, you know, it's a really small community, it's about 3,500 people, and this just isn't the kind of thing that happens there. Um, so community members were shocked, they were scared, um, they started locking their doors when they didn't normally. And then you have this huge media frenzy, again, you know, overwhelming for a small town because people were coming from Minneapolis, they were coming from Chicago. I mean, as you guys saw, it did not take long for this incident to attract national attention. So that was another thing for people to get used to. And, you know, the nature of Barron being so a smaller community is that it's a close community. So when the sheriff, you know, asked for volunteers, people, the community delivered, and people were there, I mean, not just from Barron, but from, you know, neighboring towns, and when the search parties are out, you can just drive along kind of the main stretch of road, Highway 8 up there, and, you know, just see people along the side of the road looking for literally anything that might, you
1: know, give them some sort of a clue of what happened. Mm. Wow. Wow. so on October 22nd the sheriff's Department held another press conference in which Fitzgerald showed three images of two vehicles of interest that were in the area of the class home at the time of the murders and abduction one of the vehicles was reported as either a 2004 2010 black Acura MDX or a 2006 between 2010 Black Ford Edge. So, the other vehicle that was in question was then a, between 2008-2014 Red or Orange Dodge Challenger. So, as we pointed out earlier, Patterson was driving the complete opposite. He was in a Red Ford Taurus. You can say that pretty much these leads led nowhere.
0: And, And with a week and a half into the investigation, you have about 1,400 tips reel in. You have... Thousands of volunteers. You have local, statewide, and federal authorities spending time and resources, and there's little to nothing to show for. It. And as we touched on uh, earlier in the ep- early in this episode, there's that old saying, Cam, that in cases of a missing person, or just any case of that nature, if you don't catch that break within the first 48 hours, the odds of solving it just go drastically down, like they just okay. get cut in half, and. But at this point, you know, business get in on the action is really trying to, you know, do what they can to try to, you know, get James to come home. And at Genio Turkey, where James and Denise worked the plant, as Haley said earlier, offered $25,000 for information leading to James' recovery. And this was on top of the 50000 that was originally being offered by officials.
1: On October 27th, it seemed to be a break in the investigation when an attempted burglary was uncovered at the class house. Kyle Janky and this, uh, who worked at the same uh Genio Turkey plant alongside James and Denise, uh Kloss in the earlier mornings. Uh, he was actually quickly caught and arrested thanks to installed cameras. And this is where it kind of gets weird and disturbing for me. It was reported that the police found two girls' tank tops, underwear, and a dress in his coat pocket. And when interrogated why he had these clothing items, he simply said people wouldn't miss those items. Oh, fuck. And he and and it gets better. He then says he was curious what size Jamie wears. Oh. Which is, you don't you don't need to know that. Yeah. You don't need. I'm. I don't, I don't even want to start. it out. You don't even need to know that. Uh-huh. So despite all of this. Uh, jankiness was eventually ruled out. So, Haley, when you, uh, heard about him breaking in, did you think at all that, hey, this is going to be the guy who did it? There was a part of me who
2: thought maybe there was another part of me that thought anyone
1: who committed a crime
2: like this would be insane to go back to the crime scene. Um, But it was certainly a valid, you know, I was obviously a lead that investigators had to check out, um, but it just ended up being an unrelated person who, I guess, took advantage of the situation and knew that the house was empty and thought that he would get away with it. But like you said, those cameras caught him and
1: that's so lucky for him. I wonder how long he was doing that until he
0: well, got caught. Like I said, they installed the, the cameras and the police, as soon as he came out, the police were on his ass. So I think it's probably, maybe he was just casing it out and he didn't see that shit. But like, yeah, that just shit kind of, that kind of blew my mind. he's like, oh, I, I just wanted to know what size she wore. Like,
1: what the fuck? But I almost wanted to puke in my mouth Oh, just reading that.
0: So so it appears that the case gets stagnant as only a few days after the, the break-in, another press conference was held in which Chief Fitzgerald stated that the investigation was being altered with its emergency operations center from a, quote-unquote, a 24-7 reactive operation to a more deliberate and methodical effort.
1: In December, Riverview Middle School in Barron holds a tree lighting ceremony in honor of Jamie Cross. The ceremony was put on by the school, Genio Turkey Store, and Hormel Foods, where the class parents work. During this event, Fitzgerald spoke out, reiterating that he really believes Jamie is still alive, and says investigators are continuing to expand the search. At this point, uh, Haley, can you elaborate how the mood in the community was? Um, it's been about two months at this point, so nothing's really been yielding much from the investigation.
2: Yeah, the um, investigation was very much stagnant at that point, but, you know, I think about that night, and it was one of the, that night is probably one of the most inspiring things I saw, um, and was a part of covering this case. I mean, the holidays are approaching, which is just making an impossible situation for this family even worse, and... Um, You know, the community's feeling it as well, but the entire time Jamie was missing, there, at least publicly, there was just this refusal to believe that she was anything but alive and going to come home, and you really saw that come out at this event in December. I mean, you know, they lit this tree, and they made, Mm -hmm. the students made ornaments, and it was all Uh sort of...
0: Yeah. Thor like,
2: so designed it as a way to just light her way home and they lit lanterns for Jamie and the family. I mean, it was just really beautiful to see this community come together and, you know, two months later, despite everything, they just were not giving up.
0: hmm And one of the things I remember when you, uh, you had tweeted out a picture and I think it was a little tree ornamented I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember it said, come home, Jamie. And I remember that, that really grabbed my attention. Like, you know, if that community was still you know, still, like you said, still holding out, you know, hope that she would, you know, eventually return home.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was a really inspiring thing to see. Mm
0: -hmm. So, and Chief Fitzgerald was right because Jamie was, in fact, alive, but she was still being held at the Patterson residence. And it would later come out that Patterson hid Jamie under his twin bed, stacking the area around it with tote bags, laundry bins, and weights. So he would be able to hear or see if she moved. And police said that Jamie would told them after later on that Patterson made it clear, quote unquote, that nobody was to know she was there or bad things would happen to her. And I remember reading somewhere that Patterson would have shindigs, like holiday get togethers, all the while Jamie was being hidden. And and I'll leave it up to our guests because I think I, I had uh, asked her to suit like, that is just fucking wild, is it not?
2: Yeah. I mean, the entire time that, you know, those 88 days that she was there, um, you know, for example, Patterson's father would visit the cabin pretty frequently. Um, and Jamie would be forced to hide under the bed. Um, we found out that he had his entire family over for a Christmas gathering near the holidays. And again, um, You know, Jamie's hiding under this bed. His family has no idea the entire time that there's this terrifying girl in the other room. Um, You know, there would be times he would play, when he would have guests over, he would play music to drown out any potential noises Jamie might make. Wow. Um, So, yeah, he was very uh, methodical about hiding her and...
1: Uh, what I find fucking crazy is that he went around, uh, he just went around his life like it was, he wasn't hiding a fucking human.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, the fact that, uh, like as Haley said, the her um, Patterson's father was there several times, and I mean, it, 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 he couldn't, like, yeah, I, wow, wow, just the fact that, like, he would just carry on as if, you know, nothing was happening. Just this baffles me to no end. But indeed, Patterson made Jamie stay under that bed, and when he left the house, sometimes as long as 12 hours with no food, no water, or bathroom break. And one time, he even struck her with a hard household object when she upset him, threatening that the punishment would be worse if it happened again.
1: On January 10th, Patterson told Jamie he was going to leave the house for about five or six hours. The complaint said and this, uh, he made her crawl under the bed beforehand. But after he left, Jamie moved the bins and the weights away, put on a pair of his shoes, and walked out toward the road until she found a woman walking her dog. Jeanne Nutter told the police that Jamie told her her name during the encounter. She said, I don't know wh- don't know where I am, the disheveled girl would tell her. He killed my parents, and please help, I just want to go home.
0: So the woman took her to the closest home nearby, where they called 911, and Jamie would tell responding officers that Patterson, again, confirming, uh, uh, reiterating what she had told the woman, that Patterson had killed her parents, and officers had saw a red vehicle in the area that was driven by a lone man. They pulled the car over Patterson's home, asking the man to step out of the vehicle with his hands up, and eventually revealed to be Patterson, and some of the first words out of his mouth were, I did it. So, so for your from your perspective, Haley, take me take take us back to what January was like. As you said, this eighty to eight day saga is coming to a conclusion.
2: Well, I think you know initially there was just a lot of you know January tenth was a weird day because earlier in the day um, and walworth county in wisconsin uh complete opposite end of the state there was this huge police presence and thanks to annoying social media a very um, significant rumor started circulating that jamie had been found in walworth county mm-hmm. it, the rumors were so bad that the sheriff sheriff fitzgerald and Barron, had to take to facebook to be like Jamie has not been found. She is not in Walworth County. This is not, this is false information. Mm-hmm. But then just hours later, Fitzgerald is again getting on Facebook saying that Jamie has been found alive. I mean, it's just a complete whiplash for this family. And, um, you know, it, you know, just like I said, a very weird day.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so I yeah, I mean, Jamie is found. She's, uh, After, you know, Patterson is apprehended, Jamie's eventually, you know, reunited with her family and understandably undergoes, um, some medical exams and that kind of thing just to make sure that she's okay, um, but yeah, I mean, just a, just a whirlwind of a 24 hours and, you know, part of why, um, this was such a shock to everyone Mm -hmm. and, I think another reason why this case gained um, such widespread attention is because, like you guys said, in missing person cases like this, if you're not found within the first 48 hours, the likelihood just keeps decreasing. and, And law enforcement will pretty much admit this, but Gordon was not on their radar, Jake Patterson was not on their radar, Jamie is the one who broke this case for them by escaping.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and, and going back, um, we didn't have on the notes, but I do want to bring this up. Um, When uh, Jenny O'Turkey had uh, offered the $25,000 reward, did they end up giving it to Jamie? I mean, she pretty much broke her own, you know, case essentially. But yeah, I I do remember I saw a lot of, you know, there were a lot of... uh, you know, a lot of petitions or a lot of calls for her to get that reward. So did they eventually give that to her?
2: Yeah, it's my understanding that she eventually got that money. The FBI would not tell me out of privacy concerns what they're going to do with their portion of the reward
1: money, but mm-hmm. the Cheneo portion at least is going to go to her. Got you. So as Haley was saying um, earlier, uh, the following morning, pitch Fitz- Uh, Gerald held a press conference confirming the recovery of Jamie along with the capture of Patterson. Fitzgerald added to that Patterson had no prior criminal history in the state of Wisconsin, but did have ties to the barren community. The sheriff confirms that Jamie did escape the home she was being kept in and was able to find a woman walking a dog in the area. She was kept safe in the neighboring home until police arrived. In the meantime, Jamie was sent to a nearby hospital for precautionary reasons, and before being reunited with her family, Patterson was finally formally charged with two counts of first-degree intentional homicide, one account of kidnapping, and one account of armed burglary on January 14, 2019, with bail being set at $5 million cash.
0: Um, Jim Moyer, Patterson's grandfather, was interviewed by ABC News shortly after arrest, and claimed that the family was completely oblivious of his actions. Something went terribly wrong. Nobody had any clues. We are absolutely heartbroken. It's gut-wrenching to deal with, Moyer had said. Jake was shy and quiet. He backed off from crowds, but a nice boy polite. Computer games were more of a priority than social interaction. So, I mean, again, it's just alluding to, and especially what Cam has said, like the fact that he had never... Had a prior criminal history, um, and as I said, he was completely not on anybody's radar. It's just
1: my what I'm so confused about is he doesn't have any history. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have any violent history. He doesn't have any mental health history that we know of. It's just like well, he doesn't have. Did he? I, I couldn't even find anything if he even had any girlfriend history.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
1: wondering. I just. Don't know how one day he's like, yep, I want to do that. It just throws me off. And that's why I was like, when I first heard about it, I was like, no way. This was, they totally, totally were both in on this. They must have met on Mm -hmm. social media. I remember remember you telling that to me. No way could this just randomly happen, and here we are with it randomly happening.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and I remember, like I said, I remember, I I remember, I remember you had you had told me that theory, and I was like, well, like I said, who know, who knows, you know? And this is, I want to say, this was a week before she was found, but it again, it's just you, nobody knew, you know, especially us. I mean, we, it, it was, yeah, you're exactly right. But what was really more, just really fucking baffling, is just this whole situation with the uh. The the affiliate reporter from Minneapolis when Patterson reached out to her. Oh like, yeah, yeah, Jennifer oh, uh, Mayerly.
1: So she was like you said, the cbs Minneapolis affiliate reporter, and she when she reached out to him, he was sitting in jail during this time, and the letter was pretty much essentially what you'd expect, asking questions about the case, if he'll plead guilty, what he'd want to say to Jamie and her family. And she received a call on her cell phone, and surprise, surprise, it turned out to be Patterson. During the call, Patterson answered, of course, when she asked him if he regrets about what happened. But he wasn't really able to elaborate why. And when she asked why Patterson confessed after he was arrested, Patterson said, "Pardon me, like, really knows I shouldn't be fucking talking to you, but, uh, like, I just didn't want to cause any more trouble.
0: And, and I like to think from personal experience as a former journalist reaching out to adversarial subjects of past stories I've covered, you know, I've expected not that they won't reach out. And if they do, I have to prepare that they tend to be defensive, dare I say, competitive. Um, but Mailer came out to say that it was really difficult to hear Patterson during most of the nine-minute conversation. And he was quiet for a good portion of it. But Throughout the phone call, he did tell her about some of what happened inside the Gordon uh, home while Jamie was held captive there. And he would say, we were just like watching TV, playing board games, talking about stuff. We cooked a lot. Everything we made was homemade. And Patterson later told Mailer that he wants to talk with Kloss, but knows he can't. And then Kloss is saying, I love you. I mean, I love her. And fuck, I think Cam, uh, Haley, if you ladies care the sound off on that one, but that was cringing to read that. I mean, (laughs) to say that, talk about a warped fucking mind, right?
1: That's why it's just, I'm like, I was so confused reading about this case because I had that mindset that this was all a setup, like, they were secretly in love to know this man. I don't know if it has to do with the the divorce with his parents or he just has something wrong with his brain. But he just...
0: No, he's... It's my... He just... And this is coming from somebody who... I just don't
1: know. I just don't know what to say.
0: He's fucking delusional. That's my best bet. I mean...
1: I
2: uh, I did talk to some people after... You know, not only after that phone call, but after he wrote another television reporter um, in response to some questions that reporter had. And, you know, talking to some sort of criminologist types about this, the consensus was that Patterson was really trying to take control of his narrative and paint his portrait of what happened and what fantasy he existed in um, with Jamie, you know, I suspect, I mean, we obviously don't know this for sure, um, but I would suspect she would paint a very different picture Mm -hmm. uh, of her time with him. Um, So I, you know, I think the letter and the phone call were just his attempts to try
0: to get
1: control of something from his jail cell. I just cannot believe she was able to. I'm so glad that it wasn't one of those cases where 48 hour, hour excuse me, 48 hours later they found her body and that she was alive. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super thankful for that. Yeah. So continuing with Patterson, uh, he pled guilty to two counts of intentional first degree homicide on March twenty seventh, uh, twenty nineteen. And one count of kidnapping. So the judge actually agreed to dismiss the armed burglary count. And on May 24th, so less than a less than a month ago, 2019, Patterson was sentenced to maximum of two consecutive life sentences in prison without the possibility of parole for the murders, plus an additional 40 years for the kidnapping. Now, like you were saying, Haley, you were at the courtroom. Could you describe the scene of it? I can only imagine that it was super emotional.
2: Um, before I do that, I just want to add one other thing about his plea deal that's worth uh, noting. As um, as part of the deal with prosecutors, he will not be charged for any crimes related to what happened in Douglas County during Jamie's captivity. Um, you know, there has been wide speculation about what else happened to her there. One of the big questions is, you know, was she sexually assaulted at all? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know that, and because, um, prosecutors have agreed not to charge him in that county, we may never know. Um, mm-hmm. so that's just another, um, aside, but the courtroom that day, um, It was very intense. I did not make it into the courtroom itself. I was in an overflow room, but, Mm. you know, I was watching the same hearing, um, and, uh, you know, several members of Jamie's family, um, provided testimony about the impact of Patterson's actions on them. You know, they talked about losing Jim and Denise, you know, their brother and sister, um. They talked about the um, just difficulty of wondering what happened to Jamie and, you know, trying to grieve Jim and Denise while, you know, still looking for Jamie and hoping she's still out there. And then, you know, one of the the most powerful part of the sentencing hearing for me um, was when... Jamie's statement was read. She was not in the courtroom, but an attorney read her statement. And, you know, this girl, she is 13 years old, but in, but she said to the judge, you know, Patterson took these things that I love away from me. You know, my family, my home, she talked about how it's difficult for her to go out in public without dealing with anxiety but I mean she also had very strong words for Patterson she called him a coward you know she said you know he tried to take my freedom and he couldn't he tried to make me like him and he couldn't um you know she the message she really drove home is that despite everything he was not going to change who she is and it was just an incredible thing to hear knowing this was coming from been through so willing to you know say some really bold and powerful things to the man who did this
0: um so I guess a personal not to say personal question but um you've been you've been a journalist for a while now um just say how much of this you know this was an experience for you to cover this from the beginning onto now. I mean, this is a long way from zombie preparedness uh, month and writing in the state capitol.
2: Yeah, it's been, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't difficult. Um, You know, this is just not (laughs) covering a case like this is not something that J-School can prepare you for. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I've learned a lot You know, but it has been, you know, a hard one. I mean, just being so close to hearing about such some really heinous crimes and just knowing that, um, you know, there's this family who has gone through some of the worst things imaginable. I mean, it, it definitely was tough. And, you know, by the same token, this is definitely not, something that happens every day. I mean, what happened to Jamie and the class family and, you know, the kind of man that Jake Patterson is, is, you know, it really just is a rarity. And it's been, um, I don't know. It's been, it's been a lot. There's been a lot of different emotions at a lot of different points of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I could, I, I can only imagine. Um, Kim, do you have any final thoughts? Um, as we, you know, wrap it up? <clears throat> <clears throat> Let me
1: clear my throat. Um, it's just I I hate that man so much. I wish Jamie had the opportunity to be in one of those like rage rooms mm-hmm. and like just have the opportunity to just to beat the fuck out of him. Just I know it won't ever bring her parents back, but God I hate that guy so much. He took so much from amazing people for no reason because he wanted to feel like he was in control and he's the definition of a monster and i really hope prison does what they normally do to people who are pedophiles and um people like him i really hope that you know i'm a I I have mixed views on the death
0: penalty, but yeah, I mean, I, I had checked. I
1: think he should get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, even even if uh, he had gambled and went to trial, like Wisconsin abolished the death penalty in back uh, eighteen fifty three, so that was going to be out of the question mm-hmm. now, unless they did like well, I don't know, because on uh, federal charges, because I think it was transporting different different states. I mean, you can yeah, you I can find think. loopholes towards, but no, I don't think that. Uh, if the death penalty is going to gonna be in play here. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Like, it's the So, same hopefully,
1: uh, the, the people in jail do their uh, their own ruling system and take justice in their own hands with this motherfucker because he does not deserve... He doesn't deserve to breathe when he took, you know, two people's lives and Jamie's on top of that, along with their entire families.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, true words, I can't put it better as you can. So, um, guys, thank you so much. This is the, uh, Jamie Claw story. Um, yeah, guys, if you have any, you know, thoughts or your opinions on this, um, we'll be pushing the feed out, um, let's say, we're recording this on Wednesday night, we'll push it out to tomorrow, we'll have it on iTunes, we'll have it on SoundCloud and Stitcher, and we'll have it on our Facebook and Instagrams uh, pages, um, yeah, this was just very, very, I guess, emotionally I just, taxing just to do the 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 just me doing the research of only for a couple of hours. I mean, I can't imagine Haley doing it for seven months. in this. wow, it, more all the more power to you.
2: Well, thank you and thank you guys
0: again for having me on here. Yeah, um, and before uh, and um, um, next week uh, we're going to have a dandy uh, boy. I think this was when, Cam, when we first sat down to do this podcast. We knew somehow we were going to get there, but we had to do fucking OJ Simpson. Of course we do. Oh, boy. And I haven't done a notes yet, but that is something that I'm probably going to have to go to St. Louis, and we're going to have to really... Actually, it's going to be a fucking two-parter, if not a three-parter, but we're really going to, you know, try to think outside the box because everybody's done it to death and it's going to be a 25th anniversary. But I do have some intriguing theories on that end. But um, I'll leave that for the one-year anniversary show, which is going to be next week. But before we sign off, um, Haley, where can uh, the good folks find you on social media? Uh,
2: The best bet is on Twitter uh, at... Hailey B. Miller.
0: She's uh, verified, folks. <laughs> that's... Yep.
2: Yeah,
0: do will do it. Um, you can find Cam on Instacam 630. Uh, you can find her on Facebook on Cam E. Ren. And you can find her on the Twitter on I Like Stuff on 630.
1: And I'm going to be changing a couple of them up shortly. But oh, no. I do want to throw in one more thing that I'm just very, I know this case is still new, so I I hope there's even more depth into it. I just want to know, you know, why, what happened. I just want to know, I'm just so curious on why he wanted to do that. What led him to be like that? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. i just, I'm just, my mind's boggled right now. But if you want to hit up the comp of Alex, you can get him on Facebook at Alex Camp. That is his real name, everybody. I know I got surprised, too. Yeah,
2: fuck you can too. get him on
1: Twitter at <laughs> Boardman, but Boardman Birdman for America. Or no, yeah. That's, I keep that's, saying. That's Twitter. I'm thinking prize. Birdman 2020. Uh, yeah, You'll be my running mate. Don't forget. Don't forget the IG, bird underscore
0: your underscore enthusiasm. Oh, man. You got it right off the bat. Oh, I fucking love you and hate you at the yeah, same girl. time. But that said, guys, thank you so much. Um, uh, We are going to be riding off into the sunset for Cam and for our special guest, Haley. This is Bird signing out. This is Killinoi. Be there or be Or kill. be killed. <laughs> Too sweet.